Hi guys. Welcome to another episode of Infectious Geek. This is Tori, your host, and I am really stoked about this episode. So we have a special guest. Her name is Ashley, and she is a criminal investigator. And we are going to be talking about mental illness. So this is going to be great. So uh, Kirk, this is a um, Kirk. This is my co-host, Kirk. Hi. <laughs> hey, how you doing? You're you're on mute. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, okay. How are you? No, you're not. You're not on mute. No, I was just kidding. Okay. <laughs> How are you tonight? Good. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. This is a this is a um subject that's near and dear to your heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this was your idea. So, thank you for coming up with this. And we have our other awesome co-host, Kinte. Hi, Kinte. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. And another special guest, we have Micah. Hi, Micah. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm all right. How was your day? Long and tiring and hot, but it's over. Yeah. So <laughs> you have some... Uh, experience with mental illness too correct yeah awesome so we're gonna weigh in on uh i thought we could talk about the stigma that mental illness has on society and i want to start with um bringing up the fact that america has this stigma against people who have mental illness because they don't understand what it is so they persecute against it and I thought that it would be interesting to get everybody's point of view. So we're going to start with Ashley. What do you think uh, the stigma is in this uh, whole country? Well, I mean, it's there's definitely a stigma, even though we say that we're breaking it and that it's getting better. It is in some ways. I will say that the younger generation is pretty good at being more public about it. And making sure that you know that it's okay to seek help, it's okay to talk about this, and that there shouldn't be any stigma attached. I will say there's certain cultures and generations that are still more resistant to it because it's just not as openly talked about within their cultures and backgrounds. I would also say that for men, there's still a little bit more stigma uh, behind you know, why they won't seek it as readily as sometimes females and non-binary people. And then we also have, you know, certain uh, career fields, because like I, like you had mentioned, I work in sort of the law enforcement criminal investigations. And, you know, if people have a clearance or a gun and a badge, they feel as if they can't seek assistance sometimes or else they'll lose their job. And so I do still see a stigma out there in many different ways. And so I think addressing this is a great thing that you guys are doing on this podcast. And it definitely needs addressed in sort of different avenues and different ways so that we can sort of break it so that people don't have that stigma anymore because it really shouldn't be there. Right. Okay. Awesome. So, um, Kirk, what do you think about the stigma in your life? Like, has have people... Um, persecuted you or judged you because of what you've been going through? Yeah. Um, strangely enough, it's mostly been in my family. Um, 
where I've gotten the, the stigma. Uh, it's uh, my older brother and um, and uh, my my other sister. So um, I think the huge stigma is um, people can't see it. Um, it's you're not like in a cast. You're not like you know. It's not like you're you're in a hospital bed or whatever. I mean, just you, people can't deal. I mean, can't understand what's wrong because they can't see it. Right. And a lot. I think that's a good a point. Lot people, a lot of people have that um, prejudice. So, um. And I've gotten the question is, you know, what um, what have you got to be depressed about? Um, and the same uh, the thing with, um, you know, um, um, hold on a second. Um, you know, um, why? Uh, I, just, I just lost my thought. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> come, back, come back to it. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll come back to you. Maybe your thought will come back whenever uh, you're not thinking about it so much. <laughs> Kente, what do you think? Uh, is there any stigma in your family or friends or uh, community? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree that there is. Um, but it seems like over the last several years, the understanding is getting better. And you hear more people talking about it. And it's become kind of a um a thing that is uh really talked about these day and age so i don't know that i mean i think it's always going to be there a stigma but it seems like it's doing it seems like it's better i don't know uh i mean just from my layman point of view right what do you think micah um well it's kind of like what kurt was saying um you know it, it tends to be uh, not you can't see it per se. Um, my father he refused to believe it. Uh, the technology is getting a little bit better with how they they diagnose stuff, you know. So uh, I think it is a, a problem that should be addressed. A lot of people are 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 biased to the fact that they just don't want to believe it, um, but it is an issue. And uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of eight before they really even knew what it was. Um, you know, there weren't the tests that they have nowadays, but I think it's becoming, it's, it, it, it's getting more light shed upon it, um, but it isn't an issue, absolutely. I think that one of the things that people um, associate with mental illness is medication, like um, it's the end-all cure or they abuse the medication or they don't take their medication. I think that that's a big point to make too. Like when you're diagnosed with a mental illness, it doesn't matter which one it is. You have to take your medication and you know, to, uh, there's a point where you take it and you feel good. So you're like, Oh, I don't need it because I feel good. And then you stop taking it. And that's a really good, um, it's a really bad way to, to get off, to get off the rails. And, uh, like, I think that, uh, especially with ADD, like an ADHD, like, um, the medication that you use is, has street value. 
So, like, and some of these drugs all have street value, like uh, Xanax and Klonopin and all that stuff. Like, it's used for a good purpose, but it's abused because people obviously are addicts and, you know, whatnot. So, where's the line? You know, where's the line where you know that you should need it and take it and when you should abuse it, you know? I like to... I would like to ask Ashley about that. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. No, I I actually just did presentations recently on this. Is It is hard to tell, especially in sometimes younger, younger people, the teens and stuff, because some of it presents as normal teenage behavior. And so it's hard for people to really understand, well, are they dealing with a mental illness or is this just normal teenage behavior? And even in adults, are they just having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month? But what I usually tell people is that whenever it's starting to affect your normal life and it is affecting it in a negative way and you just can't seem to pull yourself out of it and it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and your issues just keep compounding, that's really when I would then sort of seek assistance. And when it comes to the medications, I don't believe that people are honestly taught what they should be asking these professionals, the mental health professionals that are going to potentially look at the medications for them, because some of them can have really, really bad withdrawal symptoms, especially some of the SSRIs. And so whenever you do decide to go on medication, two of the different things I do always like to tell people is that to talk with a mental health professional you're working with to see when you're going to have a follow-up to see if this is working. Usually about a month to three months in is usually good. And then after that, maybe six months. But you definitely want to have check-ins with your mental health professional. Let them know how it's going. Really be an advocate for yourself if you think it's working or if it's not. And also, before you even start medication, ask them what the what the what the regimen will be to get off of it. Because you may have to just start cutting back the dose some don't get out of your system for a year or more. It can still be in your system. And some of those withdrawal symptoms can actually mimic addiction withdrawal. And so asking the right questions for this is imperative whenever you're talking with a mental health professional. And also always get another opinion before you start stuff. Talk to another professional. It could be your primary care physician because they may also know. But just talk to another person before you sort of start taking anything to just get a second opinion to make sure it might be what you want to go forward with. That's very yeah. good point. Another, another problem with the medication is, um, and say like you're starting to feel better, you don't know whether it's the medication that's doing it or whether it's your the way you're living your life that's doing it. And that's, that's always been the problem I've had with medication. Um, and I've been taking it, uh, uh, well, well, the regimen I'm on right now, I've been taking it for so long. It's like, it's almost like, um, like a placebo or whatever. It's, it's just, um, um, and, and also there, there are some drugs out there that are um, with the insurance that are, that are priced way too high. Um, like there, there's one that I've, they've been trying to get me on called Abilify, um, but my insurance won't won't um, take care of it because it's 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 priced way too high. And 
you know, I've, I've always, and throughout the years, always had problems with medication. Um, knowing whether they're working or not, or, or the right kind or whatever, I just kind of frustrated right now, actually. Yeah, I can feel your frustration. Micah, you had something to say. Well, I think a lot of the, the medication is, is it takes time to build up into your system, too, for it to be effective. Uh, medication that I've been prescribed over the past, um, you know, I was expecting an immediate result, you know, within a short amount of time, and it hasn't had time, it didn't have time to build up into your system. And uh, everybody's body is different, so medication that may work for somebody like me or, or somebody else may not work for the next person. Um, I also think that, you know, these doctors are too, uh, they're, they're, I don't know how you would say it, but I think they're, they're too fast on writing prescriptions. Uh, Pill pushers. You know, yeah, that, that's a lot of them. That's what a lot of them are. And it, you, you really have to sort through um, finding the right psychiatrist. I, I, that, that's, I mean, it's really important. And one, one who'll talk to you. And because yeah. I've, I've come across several who, who just basically had their head down and just, just writing out a prescription. And if, if you encounter anybody like that, just just walk out the door. Because mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're not uh, they're I not think, helping. You know. I think a lot of these people are seeing they when they should they're just, they're seeing a, psychi a psychiatrist. They should be seeing a psychologist. You know, a lot of these yeah. may not be something that they should be being treated with with medication versus uh, somebody that, you know, like a psychologist in his field. Of yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm currently seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist, so. Yeah, so am I. And, you know, like, I think I think you guys are right about the pill pusher um, aspect. Kente, did you have anything to weigh in on that? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like, man, they put people on drugs for everything. I mean, if you... You know, I mean, if you um, can't sleep, they got something for that. If you can't, if you can't, uh, you know, walk straight, you can. You know, they got something for that. <laughs> you know, kids be be two months. Kids be two months, and they trying to put them on something. It's just it's really ridiculous. And yeah, and, and a lot of them they get paid. They get paid to prescribe. So, are, do you really need it, or they just see it as a come up? You know. Right. And yeah. Abilify is $700 without yeah. insurance. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, in, it's incredibly it's expensive. And there's no reason for it. But like, no. you know, um, it's like taking blood pressure medication. It's like taking heart pill medication. Like well, a, have... a, a brain is just, it's, it, it's, it's just another internal organ. Um, yeah. It's it taking stuff for the heart or taking stuff for anything, you know. That that's how I've always explained it to people, but I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah. Well, these, these companies out here, like these medication companies and these doctors, that's their job, though. So their their main objective is to make a profit. Obviously, uh, you know, with these medications, there are insurances that cover a lot of it, but um, you know, I think that's a, a a big problem too. Is is not 
there's not so much that you can utilize out there to, you know, you know, get the cost down on it. There is some, but you know, it's very expensive. Uh, you know, and I think that there are other ways you can go about it, but you know, it is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the different disorders and I think Ashley can weigh in on this a lot. Um, like let's explain a couple main stuff. Like, when you have depression or when you might be bipolar or when you might have high anxiety or something like that, what are some signs that you should look for in your everyday life that may indicate that you need to go see a psychiatrist? Each of those are going to be different. But again, like I went back to when it's actually affecting your life in a negative way. But sometimes while people are in it, they really don't understand that they're actually going down a negative pathway because they may keep thinking, well, tomorrow I'll get better. This is just a bad month for me. Or as we're in COVID, it's just been a bad year. But when it starts to negatively affect you, you're not really enjoying the same things that you used to. You're starting to withdraw from your friends and family. You may be using other addictive behaviors to help cope. And that could just be you're upping your junk food or you're turning to caffeine and you can't sleep now. And all these negative things are happening. So it's when it really gets to a point where it's affecting you in a negative way. But when you can't see that, That's where I always tell people that if you have a friend or a family member who just isn't themselves, don't be afraid to ask them, hey, I noticed you just don't seem like yourself. Tell me about that. You know, ask it in a very open-ended, non-judgmental way and see what they say. Because sometimes us just addressing the fact that we see changes in someone and that we're a little bit concerned about it. You know, that's sometimes what it takes for people to realize, okay, maybe this isn't my normal depression or normal anxiety that I can normally handle. When other people are seeing it, maybe it's time for me to really think about what I want to move forward with. Even if it's doing like mindfulness stuff and like there's also more, they're doing stuff with like ketamine and psilocybin and more of the natural medicines as well. And, you know, so... That's where I always say people that if you see it negatively affecting your life and your life isn't what you want it to be and you've tried different things and you can't pull yourself out of it, seek seek some assistance just to at least try to see what's out there. And also, if you have a friend, family member, coworker who doesn't seem like themselves, don't shy away. Don't push them away. Just really just let them know that you care. And hey, I've seen a little bit of change in your behavior. Tell me about what's going on and really just be that caring, compassionate person. But Ashley, right. but Ashley, uh, give some advice for fellas who uh, their girlfriend or their wives are acting like that and a way that a guy can communicate that without being put on the couch. <laughs> yes. Well, I can give you some, but it really depends on the person who's on the receiving end. But essentially, you want to be you want to address it in a place where they seem to be a little bit better that day or in a better mood to where you can approach it and just say, Hey, I really care about you. And so I wanted to talk about something with you. Would you be willing to talk? Giving them choices as to whether they want to talk at that time or not sometimes helps. 
uh, because they feel more in control, more in power. If you just even give them the choice, like, hey, can we talk right now? And if they say no, then you don't want to do it at that time. If they say yes, then you just say, you know, I'm coming from a place of care and concern or compassion for you. And so, you know, I just wanted to say, like, I've seen some things and just wanted to really talk about them with you. Like, how are you doing right now? Tell me about this. And if it's really, if you can use things that are happening, but not attribute it to that person, that's better. So not attributing any negative acts to them as a person, but to what happened. So for example, if they are always showing up late or not going into work, calling out sick, stick to the facts. Like I've noticed that when we schedule things, there's a bit of an issue with showing up on time. Tell me about what's behind that. Or if they're calling out sick a lot of times at work, just say, I've noticed that there's, you're using more sick days, not attributing anything negative, like, yo, you're just not going to work or you're just always late. Like, what's your deal? So you really have to try to like stick to just the facts and not attributing any judgment or shame to them, but just what the behaviors are that you're seeing. And again, sometimes they'll be receptive and sometimes they just won't. And that's where all you can do is continue to be compassionate and caring for them. And hopefully they'll come around at some time and you'll get off the couch. <laughs> now, if it don't work, Ashley, I'm going to stay on your couch. <laughs> that's all the psychology training I got. Like, that's what they tell us to do. So my background psychology. And uh, yeah, but really just making sure that you're not attributing it to them personally. And just the facts as best you can. So I'd always, I always tell people like, really think about what you want to say before you just pop in and talk to this person, because how you word stuff really does affect how that conversation is going to go. I completely agree with that. So, all right. So I want to like switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about mental illness in the pandemic. So a lot of us have been cooped up like like I have. I'm in quarantine right now. I've been in quarantine for almost two weeks. And it's been, I mean, it hasn't been that bad. But being stuck in a room for two weeks really sucks. And, you know, I want, I, Ashley and I were talking about this when we were talking about the show. Like, um, how some people really thrive in this environment. They like to be at home. They don't want to be out. They like to be um, isolated. And then other people are getting depressed and have high anxiety and stuff like that. So, like, has anybody here experienced anything with the quarantine? Let's let's throw that question out there. Uh, yeah, um, uh I was uh, diagnosed with COVID in uh, December, um, and I was out for like two and a half weeks. And, and during that time, um, my uh, my grandmother passed away, and uh, my dad passed away. And um, my my dad had Alzheimer's, and he had he had a really bad episode where they had to take him to the hospital and. They say he contracted COVID in the hospital, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I really don't know, but he ended up passing away in the hospital. And the the idea of not being able to see somebody, you know, or 
it, I, I, it just, it just really got to me. I, I just, I just lost it during, during that time. And I honestly felt, I mean, it's one of the, one of the first times I honestly felt that I didn't, that I didn't want to live. And, um, because when, when you have COVID and it's, you, you can't even move. And, and, it, and it's all the symptoms of a flu without actually a fever, but it's, it's still, I mean, it's just, the feeling of helplessness is unreal. It just, but, um, I got, I got through it with friends and, um, and, and time actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, has anybody else experienced any kind of, uh, change in their personality like they're not they weren't necessarily themselves 100 percent. i mean i i had it um uh it wasn't like i said that uh quite a few people the worst part about it was that i couldn't taste anything you know that was what bothered me the most um in kirk i'm sorry about your loss uh too by the way um for me you know i'm in my 30s it didn't really affect me as it did in May, you know, other people, but here in Florida, everything has been opened up. Um, and it's not really a problem down here. Um, and I think a lot of it is politicized way too much. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, these, you know, these people not to get into politics, but these, you know, Americans have to get back to work. You know what I mean? So all this on top of, your daily problems is, uh, it, you know, it just makes things worse. And if you have a mental illness, then, you know, it, it didn't really affect me or the people that I know so much. Like I said, uh, here, it's not really a, a problem, but I can see where it is on other, other places around the country, maybe. I mean, you made a really good point whenever you said, um, like, oh. <laughs> my thought just jumped out of my head too. Um, whenever you were talking about like uh, when people, uh, oh, dang, I just totally lost whatever I was going to say. All right, so the political part about it is, yeah, that's where I wanted to go. The political part about it is people are being the propaganda is scaring you, right? Yeah. So everybody on TV is telling you, oh, all these people are dying, and like you, you watch the news and you're like. Oh my God, like this is really bad. And then, you know, you might not experience it firsthand, but I knew a lot of people who contracted COVID or their family members did, or it affected people's families. Whole generations died. Like it was bad, you know? And then other people never experienced it at all. So, like, I think that the media had a lot to do with hyping everybody up to well, be so media, scared. you got to remember that the media, you can't believe anything. The, the media is completely, uh, you know, it's very left-wing. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, downgrading anybody that's a Democrat or a Republican. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just the media, everybody knows that they don't tell the truth. Um, they're going to make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, it, it's not... It's not, you know, when you get tested for COVID, how they get these numbers is, is pretty ridiculous. You know, you go and you get tested uh, and you test, let's say you test positive, okay? Then they're going to give you a follow-up 
make sure that that is correct. Then you get test and you go and you get tested positive again. Uh, you know, they, that, so that they get two cases out of just one person. Um, and there are some other ones too. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, these numbers are not accurate by any means. Um, and it's not as bad as things are made as the media makes it out to be. So I would suggest not believing anything, you know, that you hear on TV or in the newspaper. It's, it is, it's a propaganda machine. uh, And it's made to make these people worry, uh, a whole lot more than they are. Um, you know, so I typically just don't believe anything I hear or see on TV in general. Right. Did you have anything to say, Kente? Uh, it's those dang Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I mean, look, I, yes, it's real, right? COVID is real. I've, I thank God I had, I never got it. Uh, and I'm doing everything to make sure I don't. But I think both things are true. I do believe that it's real and we need to take precautions and all of that kind of stuff. But then I also believe that it is a a hype and then there is benefits to scaring the public. So, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to get into the 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 uh, the V word that everybody wants you to take. But um, but (laughs) I'll say I'll say that two things are both things are true it is real it needs to be taken serious i know people who've died from it i know people who whose life has been altered by having it and you know they still ain't right and it's been months later so um but then i also believe there's been the feeding frenzy with the media to uh scare people because that's what gets clicks and whatnot as well so uh both can be true you know um the truth is that uh not only has people died from COVID or their health has been altered, but then many businesses have failed because of it. Um, yeah. People have lost so much. I know people who opened up a restaurant like two months before, and then all of a sudden now, you know, cause you guys know if you've opened up a, a, a restaurant that first year is huge. And then basically they, their dream is gone because of the pandemic, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, and there's so many businesses that are are gone and and these people are not getting bailouts. And it's just sad. It's it's sad. And I I mean, some people can say, well, you know, it's not a health issue, but it very well is. There's people that killing themselves talking about going back to the mental uh, illness is people are killing themselves over uh, the effects of COVID, not necessarily the health um, benefits, but I mean, um, negativity. But uh, what it's done to their businesses and they can't provide for their families and, you know, and the suicide rate is up high and there's yeah. the depression from having to be stuck in. And then there's a lot of um, couples that are now forced to actually spend every day with each other and they realize, <laughs> oh, my God, who am I married to? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's how many COVID there's COVID babies, but then there's also COVID divorces. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it's like, it's this real ugly, horrible thing. And it's going to forever, like, you know how like nine 11 totally changed the world. Right. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I remember, I don't know, I'm about to show my age, 
But do you remember when you used to go to the airport and you could walk someone all the way up to the, yeah, to the you know, yeah. to, to the actual plane and hug them and what, you know, nine eleven happened. That was that's gone, you know, and a bunch of other things as well. This is kind of like a nine eleven in another kind of way, where there's going to be there's these changes that are coming, and it's going to change the way that we do life. And um, we have to get ready for it. So things will never be the same. And if you think about it like this, and I'll get off my soapbox, whether you believe in God or not, God gave us this wonderful planet that we all live on. And man has totally effed it up to the point where we have to wear masks to walk down the street. Just think about that. Like, that is... You know, we were blessed with having this wonderful planet that we live on. And now we are, we live in this world where we have to wear a mask and we have to, you know, you can't even see if somebody's smiling at you because they got a god dang mask on, you know? I, I mean, it's important to have the mask, but the point is, when are we going to, as a society, going to really truly protect the planet that we live on, you know? Right. And uh, so I'll get off my soapbox. Oh, no, it was a great soapbox. I love the soapbox. So you made some really good points um, about, like, the the side effects of the pandemic, the restaurants closing, the um, people losing their businesses, the depression, the anxiety, um, and people committing suicide. The suicide rate is really high. People who you know, are on unemployment because they can't go back to work because there is no work or they don't want to go back to work because they're getting unemployment and they're making more money doing that than they did working. So there's a whole slew of issues in every economic tier from the rich to the poor. Everybody's affected by it. And uh, mentally, some people just can't handle what's going on, especially like you said, all of a sudden you're stuck with your family and kids are being homeschooled and you're stuck with the kids and the stresses of being stuck with the kids for as long as they are. And the, and the fact that kids aren't getting a good enough education now because they're not in school and all that stuff is just detrimental to this, to society as a whole. So like, I think, honestly, like, we have to take a really good look at how to handle people that are going through. This is traumatic experiences that we're going through. People dying. Like, this is not just to be taken lightly, you know? And, like, uh, I don't think anybody has really talked about how people are doing mentally, you know? Like, there's no, like, uh, that's not talked about in the news. And I wanted to ask Ashley about that. So what did you, what do you think that we can do as like to, to raise awareness about this, you know, like to get the word out that maybe these are the times that we need to band together. And, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, it is, they are talking about it because a lot of people are having to do research around what the mental health effects of the pandemic are. And, it's actually facilitated a lot of research to happen way more than it would have because they can cut red tape and start really in real time studying what's affecting people. And, you know, I will say an uh, interesting study that ties back to the 9-11 thing, and this is where I think we are 
not really realizing how we our energy sometimes affects others around us too is that you know we're in this pandemic and you have all these issues and all this stress and so stress in and of itself isn't that awful but it's when it keeps piling up and that's what the pandemic is doing you're taking one hit after another after another you know you're in these families where you Actually, men are doing more housework and um, child duties now because men are stepping up during the pandemic for their families. Women are getting it worse because they're trying to work, homeschool, do all this stuff at, at one time. And so you're seeing those effects. But the one thing about 9-11 is they found that the people who psychologically did better after this happened had healthy relationships. And so they were coming home to a spouse or families who were like, hey, how was your day? What do you need right now? Do you need 15 minutes before I talk to you and like tell you about what the kids did or what we need to get done here? What do you need? And they had supportive partners and friends and stuff. And so the pandemic has sort of ripped some of that apart. You know, you don't see your friends as much. You may not be talking to them as much. You still can, but it's not the same as you had. And for some people, they're kind of losing that connection as well, which could help them come out of this a little bit better. And some are really loving it when they are doing more Zooms and they do feel more connected, but it just really depends. But as these stressors build up and build up, if I'm stressed and I'm interacting with Tori and I stress her out, then she reacts off of my energy. And so when people are trapped in these houses or in these environments where a lot of people are stressed, you know, how do we really calm ourselves down and be able to present in an environment that's actually helpful for all of us. And that's what we're seeing is like, people are trying their best, but there's just so much going on now that we really need to like pause, take a step back and say, how can we help ourselves? But how can we also help those around us that are there so that we're not creating more issues within our home or our friends or families. And so I think connections are really good thing, but also just looking at how your energy is affecting those around you and how you can support each other through that. And Ashley, yeah. Ashley, I want to ask you a question. When, when you, I, w- I guess you could say that this is detrimental to people that don't have uh, like an, a, a common mental illness, that this is kind of like a an issue that's going to cause everybody to have, a, you know, some kind of, it's going to, cause some kind of mental stress on them, you know, as a family. Um, What do you think about that? Well, I mean, they're actually saying that people who had no mental health issues pre-COVID, the numbers are pretty high that they're developing them now. Yeah. And so those may be other people who also don't even realize it's happening until it gets to that critical point where they're at like rock bottom or their family has just been like, I'm done with you, or their friends just totally abandon them, and then they finally may seek help. But no, there's actually numbers that say that a good majority of people who that are now seeking help had no mental health issues pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And so now they're attributing it to things that have happened during the pandemic that are possible, you know, precursors to, you know, the, to causing a mental illness. We're also seeing weird psychotic symptoms and people who actually had COVID and they're lasting past the time that they are, you know, COVID free. And months later, they're actually 
there's a lot of psychotic hallucinations and things that are happening. And these people never had any of this before and they're, they don't know how to deal with it. And it's, it's really frightening for them. So I also don't know, I mean, cause the research is still new if COVID has actually caused these or what's causing this, but they're actually seeing hallucinations and stuff happening even pre once they've become COVID free. And I mean, so if it's a spike in these numbers, I mean, I, I don't know how you can contribute it to anything other than that. Like you're saying. Eric, yeah. did you ever experience hallucinations after you've had COVID? No, no, I never did. No. Okay. I was just curious because, uh, no. has it affected you mentally in any way? Um, well, I, I mean, it's, I mean, as far as, uh, what I went through and what was going on around me, I think affected me more than the actual COVID. Um, you know, not, not being able to do anything. I mean, the actual COVID, um, I, once it got out of my system, it just, yeah, I just, I, I had no problems. Okay. All right. I know you have to go in a minute, Ashley. I just wanted to ask you one more question about, um, the people that are thriving in this environment. Like you said that there are some people that uh, prefer to be locked in and to be, you know, um, a recluse and they, they, they like it. Is there any numbers with that? Like, have you seen any research about that? I don't know if I've seen any research. I'm just basing this off of some um, psychologists and psychiatrists that I've worked with and also just some clients that I also have. Some people are loving it. You know, they have social anxiety, they have, you know, normal anxiety, they have depression, or they're interacting on a daily basis, potentially at work with toxic people. And so for some, it's removed them from some of those triggers that actually were causing their issues to be, you know, hyped up or just harder for them to manage. And so now they've come down to a manageable level where we probably wouldn't say that they now have, you know, diagnosable disorders or any, any sort of mental health issues. And they're able to handle them without medication on their own. And this has removed them from that. And so they're loving it. You know, I also do know that it has helped people say no to a lot of things. You know, those people who also like to please and like to do things all the time and always are saying yes, and it causes more stress. People are learning how to set boundaries as well. And we're seeing that that's also helping them as well. Like, hey, I just can't, don't want to. And they're feeling more empowered to really do what they need to do to also take care of themselves as well beyond just setting boundaries. And so there are some people who are thriving. Now, I can't say when they have to finally go back to work and go out into the normal world, normal, however we want to put it, if they will then revert back to where they need some assistance or not. But some people right now are actually loving it and doing better than they were before. You know, something that's helped a lot of people is actually getting a pet. Um, a lot of people, cause there's a lot of people who work a lot and normally didn't want to have a pet because of having to take care of them and then they have to work. So then because a lot of businesses have shift to work at home, they've got, they got a pet, like a dog or even a cat, Ugh, cat, Ugh. Um, and uh, and that's really helped them. I, there was this comedian I, I just saw, 
on, on his show, uh, his name escapes me, and he was talking about how he was really lonely, and because he's on the road a lot, he would he always wanted a dog, but um, he never would get one because he he's on the road for so long, and he picked up a dog, and he's like, it totally saved him through his COVID uh, loneliness was this dog that he got. And I've heard that from quite a bit of people. So some of you guys out there, maybe that might be the, the ticket is, uh, you know, to have, you know, I, I'm looking to get a dog myself too. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So not because I'm lonely and I'm about to, you know, but I, I just, <laughs> I, I've been wanting to get another dog for a while. So, uh, so anybody got one for me, uh, let me know. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, um, but so that, that could help too, getting a pet. Uh, one pet I wouldn't get is because um, I, I had a dog that died a couple of years ago. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to something easier. And I was looking into getting a fish, getting fish. Hell no. That's that's a job. That's like a that's like a job when the, when the guy was I didn't really know. Right. Because I never had one. And the guy was explaining like what you need to do. And I'm like. That sounds like work. <laughs> like I don't want another job. Oh, yeah, dude. You you clean the tank out, you know, empty the water and do all that crap. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Unless I could, maybe if I just pay a cleaner to come and do it. I didn't even want to do that. I just want to have the pretty fish floating around. I didn't want to do all the work that comes with it. But anyway, that's me. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting thought. Um, but... I think that uh, that was a really good point. Like these are things that. Uh, you know, a little little server lining on this COVID cloud. I did a creative journalism class today, and she asked us to write a letter to somebody. And um, the letter was to talk about COVID and how it affected you, but to talk about something positive that came out of the COVID experience, right? And so I was like, man, I don't know. I was in jail most of the time. And then I realized that, like, so because of COVID, I got put on workforce to make the masks that everybody wore in the jail, right? And because I made the masks, I got my fines paid for. So like it was a really good um it was a really good like uh positive spin on that because it was like four thousand dollars in fines that the city paid for because I made these masks, you know? So like there are like positive things about the COVID. Has anybody else experienced anything positive about the pandemic? Just as a side note, uh, I'm mad that Tori didn't make me a mask. <laughs> I did. I have a mask. I can mail it to you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have one that I made. But yeah, does anybody else have any experience uh, with positive? Sorry about the. Um, uh, anyway, so. Yeah, does anybody else have a positive experience that they have uh, experienced during the pandemic? Well, personally, I haven't myself, but I know one of my clients uh, financially has, you know, uh, done very well. He's uh, in the sign business, and he has he puts up a lot of those plexiglass um, dividers that are you see oh. registers, and he's made a killing off of it. Um, you know. So, I mean, I guess you could consider that, you know, something positive. I mean, he's making a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it. all these businesses, like masks, they were not very uh, 
lucrative, but I mean, they were, but in the medical field, but now everybody wore them. And like, you know, there's different businesses that are definitely thriving because of this, even though there's businesses that aren't obviously. Yeah, you know what? I'll say yeah. there is a positive. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kurt. I guess I'm lucky because I have a job um, through, the, through the whole thing. I work at a grocery store, so and um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of something to experience a pandemic through through a grocery store and see how the people act and stuff. It's it, you know, sometimes it's food. Frightening. You talked about always talk about hoarding food, people buying yeah. all the food. Oh my god! Oh yeah, just. And you talk about the news affecting everything too. Um, there was something in the news about we're we're low on on chickens or whatever, and people were going um, just nuts buying buying chicken, any kind of chicken. It's just oh, it was it was insane. I mean, you, you could say anything on the news, and it'll it, the next day it'll affect you know the sale. You know, it's just insane. Well, they're they're. Oh, you remember the issue, Kirk, with the uh, toilet paper? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I actually took a picture of it I, in my, my store. It was completely barren. Yeah. Oh, I, it was just, it was insane. Um, I, I just, oh. One of the good pos- I never understood it. I never understood there, it. There is one positive that we don't talk about because everybody has to wear a mask. You don't have to smell bad breath as much. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> And and those people have to be forced to smell their own bad breath because it, it yeah. shoots back at them. So I, I might miss the mask. That may one thing I might miss the mask because now we're back to people's bad breath, you know. So yeah, definitely. I think that uh, it would be interesting to do a show about oh, COVID actually to talk about everything. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What are those? Oh, there's a for, you, for your breath. Okay. <laughs> All right. Three hours. Oh, yeah. So for three hours, my breath is gonna be smelling great. I have, I have these. <laughs> <laughs> now in three hours, you may want me to put a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a commercial. Like somebody had a commercial about uh, mask breath, and they're like, "You don't want to smell your own breath." Yeah, that. There was a commercial on that. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> when the pandemic was it, but. Uh, Ashley, I want to. I know you have to go, so I just wanted to thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, next week we're gonna talk more about like uh, incarceration and um, the mental health industry and the and in the jail systems and the criminal justice system because I think that would be really interesting to talk about. So we're not doing the show next week. We're doing it the week after, right, Kurnze? Yeah, I, I have to go to an engagement. <laughs> so, unfortunately, like a know. real engagement or like just a just a function. Uh, a real engagement where I got to get dressed up and stuff. Looking all fly. Oh, okay. Nice. I want pictures. <laughs> well, thank you all oh, you, for letting you know me know I will. You know my Instagram. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. And thank, thank you guys for doing this. I'm, I hope that people get something from it, even if it's just to start the conversation around mental health and to help break those stigmas down so that people can, can start talking about it and start getting help if they need it. So. Also, can I, I want to make one point is there's a couple of there's words too that people throw around that I think like when you people just blanketly call people crazy 
Yeah. Or 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 referring to them speaking as a rant. I hate that. We 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 use the word rant too much. What they what are they ranting about? Sometimes we need to listen to people because rant is yeah, such a the, the, the mis- dismissive term. OCD. Right. Right. OCD. I, I'm so OCD. You know, I, I, I suffered through that for um, a few years ago, and believe me, you don't want to go through OCD. It, 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 it absolute hell. I couldn't even leave the house. Yeah, and, it's the same thing with bipolar. Oh, you're bipolar today. Yeah, yeah use it as an adjective instead of, you know, a term that is diagnosable. A mental health and, and, st- and stop people stop going back in time and wondering if somebody was bipolar they're dead you know so like i've heard somebody say you know i think uh, i started this historian talking about abraham lincoln some suspect that he was mm-hmm. bipolar i'm like shut up <laughs> oh, okay he, he was so <laughs> like so what Thanks, Bobby, for uh, the background love. But um, so yeah, so we can still we can still talk about it a little bit more, unless you have to go. You have to do another show, right? Yeah, and uh, I have five minutes left. Okay, so yeah, so I think this was a good um segue into the next week's episode or the week after's episode because I think it's going to be really good to talk about uh, the lack of care that inmates get for mental illness and in the criminal justice system and how different cops don't even think they have anything wrong with them. And she was saying that too, if they have a gun in the back, they don't think anything is wrong with them. And even, uh, doctors that diagnose you, they might not see it in themselves, you know? So like, I think that's going to be a really interesting topic. That, that, that's a big issue that needs to be yeah. brought up. You know, yeah. I've been to, I, I've been to prison and in and out of jail, you know, and it is a big issue in there. You know, these doctors too that are in there are hired by the the Department of Corrections or by the county. They're not the best doctors out there. No, yeah, it's it, it's like the doctors for insurance. Yeah, I I yeah, if you want insurance or whatever, you, you get the, some guy in his eighties or nineties or whatever. Yeah, it's you know, Mojo, you know. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we're going to uh, discuss this next week, but this is a definitely a good leeway into it. So um, I want to thank you guys for uh, being on here tonight. It was really fun. I think it was very informative. And um, so we'll see you guys back here next week. Same day. Awesome. awesome. All right. Two. Thank you so much. Did you have something to say, Kirk? I'm sorry. No, I said two weeks. You said oh, one week. Two weeks, yes. We'll, we'll be back here in two weeks. And thank you guys for listening. And all the people in the chat room that were commenting, I was reading your comments. And thank you so much for giving us your feedback because we thank really you. appreciate that. So, mm-hmm. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. All right. Y'all Bye. have a good day.